Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios at Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us around the Super Talk Network this afternoon or online, wherever you may be tuned in. We've got a great show today. We've got the play-by-play voice of the Tulane Green Wave, Mr. Andrew Algreta, is about to join us. Parker Seanfield, former great kicker for the Golden Eagles, on the show today as well. Kelly Santer, of course, bringing up uh, the back half of the show, and that uh, is always entertaining. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Great supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and, of course, the Eagle Hour. We encourage you, the next time you have a taste for barbecue, uh, choose Dickie's. You can enjoy their delicious food in-house. You can get it through the drive-thru. You can have it home delivered. However you choose to enjoy it, just be sure you enjoy Dickie's Barbecue. All right, so the renewal of a great rivalry uh, this weekend, or a former rivalry, I guess I should say, is the Tulane Green Wave comes to Hattiesburg in an unexpected game, uh, one that was not on the schedule uh, when the season first kicked off. We'll get into that. Andrew Algreta is the play-by-play voice of the Green Wave. And, Andrew, first of all, uh, thanks for your appearance on the Eagle Hour. Happy to do it. And I think at this point, uh, considering the number of times these two teams are going to play in the next handful of years, I think we might be able to just say rivalry at this point. It's good to have... uh, this matchup back on the schedule consistently. You know, we were talking about that yesterday. We feel the same way here in Hattiesburg. Got one caveat, we would love to see a renewed rivalry with baseball. We thought that was really one of the great series in, in college baseball where the Green Wave and the Golden Eagles tie up both very, very good baseball programs. Hey, you never know. Certainly could get on the schedule sometime soon. Uh, the way things are going in college athletics, uh, schedules change uh, pretty quickly, so you never know. Well, there has to be some relationship there, Andrew, because this game was not scheduled when the when the schedule first came out. But when COVID began to shift things around, it seems like the schools were very quick to uh, get together and, and work out something. Well, I would say it's one of those matchups that in this current climate of college athletics makes a lot of sense. Uh, first off, Tulane lost two road games, right? So it lost at Northwestern. It lost at Mississippi State. And if you've got... This matchup on the schedule into the future, you sort of already have the finances figured out, and Tulane was more than happy to go on the road to a relatively close opponent that it wouldn't need to spend a ton of money to get to or spend a ton of money to get on the schedule. So it's just one that makes a lot of sense. And I do know the uh, fact that Southern Miss is allowing a certain percentage into the building. Our athletic director, Troy Dannon, likes that because it's going to be possibly one of the few times that Tulane fans can actually see the Green Wave in person. So a mm-hmm. lot of things line up specifically this year for this matchup, which is great. The Green Wave whipped the Golden Eagles pretty good uh, in the uh, bowl game to end the season. Is this a different Tulane team or largely the same team that we'll see Saturday? I would say there's a lot of very similar parts, and I would say that schematically you're going to see all of the same things. The offensive coordinator is 
same. The defensive coordinator is the same. The head coach is the same. The one incredibly notable difference, and I'm sure we'll get to it in depth, is the quarterback position. Justin McMillan was the quarterback to transfer from LSU for Tulane in that particular game. Uh, he obviously had a certain skill set when it comes to being elusive and great, getting outside of the pocket. He had a big arm. He could throw deep. He connected on a 50-plus yard pass in that game against Southern Miss in the bowl game at uh, Fort Worth. Um, so he's not the starting quarterback. Of course, it's Keon Howard, and I don't have to tell you guys about him, a transfer from Southern Miss, from Laurel. Um, so he's going to be the main difference in this ball game. the main thing that is noticeable about Tulane from a season ago to this season. All right, Luke, I know you personally know Keon. I'll let you pick up the conversation from there. Yeah, Andrew, watch Keon in, in high school, and uh, you know he's a guy who started seven games for Southern Miss in, in 2017, got thrown into the fire his true freshman year, and a guy that's just kind of you know waited his time at Tulane. I, I don't know on the Tulane side, but for Southern Miss, I'm not sure this has really ever happened. It's kind of unprecedented. He will be out there competing against guys that he came in with, you know, and um, the, the two lane season so far, uh, he, he brought them back in or held them off in, in South Alabama game. And then last week, it was kind of the, the opposite, had struggled in the second half. Navy came back. I saw earlier where Coach Fritz um, has, has named uh, Keon the, the starter this week, but kind of unprecedented where somebody that quick out of one school goes and competes and then turns around and plays his old mates. Yeah, I would say it's probably somewhere in the history of Tulane has happened, but uh, in this type of rivalry, battle for the bell at the quarterback position for such a notable player in this region, you're right. It, it, it's, it's up there in terms of a storyline that is incredibly unique that we will all be following throughout the course of the game on Saturday. Uh, you know, Keon is a guy, and again, <laughs> I'm telling you stuff that you guys already know, but he, he owns this locker room. The guys want to play for him. He is. A-plus human being. He has worked so hard throughout the course of the offseason to put himself in position to be successful, and he has looked really good at times during practice, getting ready for the season. He has made some good throws uh, at times this season in two games, but he also needs to get better, and the fact that the conversation had shifted to, well, is it Keon's job still as the starting quarterback after two weeks sort of tells you all that you need to know. Keon understands this without saying anything he doesn't know. He needs to play better. His receivers has not helped him. There have been way too many dropped passes. Uh, but Keon has missed his targets too often as well. Uh, so Keon understands, I think, the pressure that will be on him in this game, both from a storyline standpoint, being from Laurel, coming back and playing his old team, but just from a flat-out performance perspective as well. And not and not just Keon. I mean, if, for anybody that's going to be in the stadium, this team is filled with guys from South Mississippi. I watched Jeffrey Johnson from from Brookhaven High School coming up. Uh, Nick Anderson played at Jones College. Uh, he's one of the leading tacklers. The the Watts twins at wide receiver. They went to pedal. Hutterson, the running back, went to pedal. There is a lot of this Tulane team um, that Southern that Southern Miss fans who follow high school football in South Mississippi they're going to remember watching these kids play four years ago. I think that probably speaks to the recruiting of head coach Willie Fritz and understanding that Mississippi is a talent-rich state and it's right next door. Uh, Tulane has struggled to find consistent inroads with recruiting. At times, it's tried to mine the city of New Orleans for talent, which obviously is there. Great players like Marshall Falk and Ed Reed have come from the New Orleans region, but 
uh, look, you've got to grow your footprint, and there's really talented players, whether it's outside of New Orleans, whether it's Mississippi, whether it's Alabama. It, it fits the geographic footprint. Uh, so I'd say it's, it's no surprise that Willie Fritz has been able to successfully grab a couple of these uh, quality players from the Mississippi region. Andrew, uh, last week Southern Miss uh, played Louisiana Tech, obviously, but they were a pretty depleted football team. I think there were six shorters, six uh, starters short, and uh, maybe as many as 20 kids on their roster didn't make the trip because of COVID. Uh, has that affected uh, Tulane, or is this a full strength uh, Green Wave team coming into the Rock? Yeah, pr- pretty full strength, guys. I think Tulane has done a really good job when it comes to managing this. Uh, current pandemic, uh, which is really hard to do. Um, I'm going to give, and I have throughout the course of this season, a ton of credit to the team physician here at Tulane. His name is Dr. Greg Stewart. He's also the chair of the AAC COVID advisory panel. So he's sort of been writing the rules, so to speak, in conjunction with all of the team physicians. And, you know, look, uh, you you can't duck it. Uh, Tulane has the financial resources as a university. It's a small private school, so it's got uh, some things stacked in its favor, and it's used those things. In short, Tulane has uh, tested out the wazoo, guys. Uh, they've done a ton of testing uh, both in season, but during fall camp leading up to it. So Tulane has been very aggressive with its testing policy, uh, both from an athletic standpoint, but from an entire student body standpoint. Like, uh, if you're a Tulane student and you live on campus, you are mandatory getting tested twice a week. That's that's just that's not happening at a lot of other places. So oh. because Tulane has committed the financial resources to testing, it, it's actually in pretty good shape. All right. Well, minute left. I have to ask you this question. We watched Tulane, and, and we, of course, a great rival history with Southern Miss. We watched you guys play in East Carolina, Houston. I, I could go on. All, all the teams that Southern Miss used to play. Uh, Tulane in the American Athletic Conference. How has life been for Tulane in the AAC? It's harder, guys. I mean, that's just the reality. Or potentially kind of everybody moves up a level collectively, but you've got Cincinnati in the mix, which is a school that came from the Big East, I guess, right? UConn was there for a little bit from a basketball standpoint. It's hard. Uh, If you move up a level, you've you've got to get ready to commit to play big boy football the more you go up. Uh, But I think you've seen it with head coach Willie Fritz uh, being able to establish some consistency at this program, back-to-back winning seasons, back-to-back bowl victories for the first time in program history, and provided Tulane plays enough football games this year, if if Tulane has a winning season, that's the first time in in 40 years, guys, that that Tulane has had three consecutive winning seasons. And to do it while moving up conferences, uh, that's notable. So I, I continue to give a lot of credit to the work that Coach Fritz and his staff have done here. Good stuff, Andrew. We appreciate your time. Always good to talk to our friends uh, down the highway at Tulane, and we look forward to having you guys at The Rock this weekend. See you on Saturday. Andrew Elgrady, everybody, play-by-play voice of the Tulane Green Wave. And I'll tell you, I, I miss those days, uh, Luke, But it, that we played all those schools, East Carolina, Cincinnati, Houston, all the schools that Tulane's in conference with now. But it will be good to have the Green Wave back in The Rock. It will. I just I miss the days when we beat them all the time, too. <laughs> we'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Hey, we want to thank Andrew Elgretti from Tulane University for joining us uh, in the opening segment. Big ball game this weekend as the Green Rave uh, returns to the Rock. That'll be good to see Tulane uh, on the field uh, at M.M. Roberts. want to thank uh, our next sponsor, of course, which is uh, Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Uh, great supporters of the university and the program as well. Uh, that's where you'll find the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel on the planet. You can shop online at campusbookmark.net, M-A-R-T.net. Or, of course, you can uh, shop their great store on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. Our next guest was really one of the outstanding kickers uh, to ever play at Southern Miss. Incredible statistics in his career. 97.7% of his extra points were good. 79.7% of his field goals were good. He was a great kicker, but Parker Seanfield may be known as much uh, for anything as he had that long, flowing, golden hair down to his shoulders. And, Parker, we're glad to have you on the Eagle Hour, but you're telling us uh, before we brought you on that that hair doesn't exist anymore. Uh, no, sir, the hair does not. I actually uh, got it cut yesterday evening, high and tight on the sides. Wow. That's quite a change, is it not, my man? Oh, yeah, it was. I don't think my wife was a big fan at first, but uh, it's grown on her, and I think she's starting to like it better now. So, well, good man, what an outstanding career here! I gave you your stats. You kicked 131 extra points, uh, made 128, 47 of 59 in field goals, uh, 87 straight extra points at one time in your career here, 15 straight field goals at one time. What was the secret, Parker? You know, the secret really just for me, was just having that relationship with my snapper and holder. Um, just knowing, I think that streak of field goals started with Tyler Sayers and as my holder. And that man, he was not only a phenomenal punter, but, man, he was he had some good hands, and he just knew exactly how I liked the ball placed. And just I knew if that ball was going to be down, places out before I had my kick. And just really having that confidence before you even start the kick is really what helps help me get going that's interesting to hear you say that because from a fan perspective when it comes time for that game-winning field goal of course all the eyes are on the kicker but boy there's uh, two guys really important uh, the long snapper and the holder and uh, interesting to hear a kicker uh, say that that sounds like they were very important to you oh yeah no doubt going from started out with Lance Schubert and then uh, Cody Block uh, was, was snapping whenever that streak happened and just knowing Exactly like you say, that that placement, really it all starts with them. And if they don't do their job well, there's no way for me to succeed. So so really those guys deserve just as much credit as a, a kicker would, in can, my opinion. Can you block those streaks out? Or when you we're on streaks, uh, you're on 87 straight extra points, 15 field goals at one time. Do you feel that every time you go out to kick or to mentally do you just block that out of your mind? Uh, to be honest with you, mentally on the extra points, I, I didn't know about it until uh, somebody in the program started bringing up that I was getting close to uh, breaking the record. I think it might have been John Cox, possibly. I'm not sure. I can't remember. And then on the field goals, I didn't even – that one, I just was in such a groove. I didn't try and think about necessarily the previous kick or the next kick. It was just, just all in the moment of that kick right then and there. So I really didn't think about it too much. Try not to let that stuff get in your head, really. All right, let me get out of the way. Let's have two former Southern Miss kickers uh, in this conversation. Luke Johnson, jump on. 
Parker, it's great to talk to you. And it's funny, I, I didn't know we were having you on today, but but the guy who you beat, the record that you beat, was was my kicker, Darren McCaleb. I punted at Southern Miss, and Darren was my kicker. I was his holder. And I tell you what, man, as accurate as he was um, for you to you know own that now, uh, all time. Uh, almost eighty uh, percent for for a career. It it, it speaks of, of how good you were as a kicker. I think a lot of people don't realize they just joke at us. We're half athletes, right? I mean, we're just specialists. We go over and goof mm-hmm. off and do our own thing. I don't think the average fan realizes how much um, technical stuff and uh, hours go into what a good kick looks like. I mean, you know, for you, were you more of a technician? Were you more of a field guy? Uh, what what type of – what was your approach to kicking the football? So, for me, I was more of a technique guy, so to speak, where I really tried to hone in on replicating that technique the exact same time, exact kick every single time I went out onto the field or, or whatever it was during practice or whatever. But, but so much of a specialist – kicker, punter, long snapper, their work happens in the offseason, truly, where you're trying to dial in your technique and you're trying to make huge adjustments to get stuff corrected that you need to, in order to perform well, where in season you're just trying to maintain and not really change anything up, just keep it the same and be successful at it. So in season, it's just all about maintaining, where off season for me was all about changing and improving. <clears throat> You uh, you played for for two head coaches. All right, be honest with us here because we know how fiery Todd Munkin is. I remember one time, Coach Bauer yelled at one of our specialists and told him that he was going to dig him an early grave if he continued to be like that. Ever in if he ever in any intense moments between specialist and Todd Munkin? Oh, uh, just about uh, every single practice. I think my freshman year because <laughs> that was the year. Uh, I don't think the special teams did that very well the year before I got there, so it was a, a hot item, and I come in as a true freshman, just not really knowing what to expect, and I was in for a rude awakening from not only Todd Munkin, but uh, John Wozniak was the special teams coordinator at the time, and I mean, just about every other kick, they're hounding you on, on something, but it, in the scheme of things, it was all good and all needed, and, and helped me become the kicker that I was. Talk about those those big kicks. One that comes to my mind was against Louisiana Tech's forty nine yarder with with about a minute uh, left in the game. Sent us in over overtime. We won it. Was that the biggest kick of your career? Was there one that was bigger than that? Uh, so that was easily one of the biggest ones. I, I'd say the one that ties that one was uh, in Kentucky. I outside a forty nine yarder that was kind of crucial to. Uh, I think that put us up by. Or I think that put us within like one one uh, possession or something. I can't remember exactly, but I remember that being a big kick as well. All right, from Alado, well, Texas. Your, I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Luke. One more. What What yeah. was your uh, approach to those? And you know, a lot of people now freeze the kicker, get in the kicker's head. What was your approach to big kicks? How did you prepare yourself and then go out there and nail those? For me, it was just taking every kick, regardless if it was a, a 22 yard chip shot or a a 52-yard field goal. you got to take each kick the same and uh, replicate each routine from doing your steps to just trusting everything and not really overthink it. Just trust that the ball's going to be placed where you want it and swing your swing, and if you hit it right how you're supposed to, you know that ball's going to go straight and be long enough. So it was just really try not to overthink it too much and let the outside noise get in your head. 
just stay focused on your job and make sure you execute that job to your ability. Parker, all of us here on this show have a very good friend, Jim Taylor, who was a kicker uh, sometime back at Southern Miss. Uh, made a huge kick uh, in his career that uh, helped beat Alabama. And I asked him one time, what were you thinking when you went out on the field? And he told me that when he was growing up, he used to kick footballs over his grandmother's uh, clothesline. And that the whole time that he was standing there waiting for the timeout to end and to kick the football, he blocked out the crowd by visualizing kicking those footballs over his grandmother's clothesline. When you were kicking field goals, what was going on in your mind when you were standing on the field and get ready and getting ready uh, to prepare and kick the football? I don't have as cool a story as that as visualizing something from my childhood, <laughs> but I definitely used a, a visualization effect of just trying to visualize that ball uh, flying through the uprights, really, and just kind of just doing your mental check of like my thing was getting the plant foot out and and just little things here and there that that i knew if i would do correctly they would help me kick the ball well and just really visualizing some some stuff well of course you coming was a great thing for southern miss Uh, i think you're clearly one of the top kickers that ever played here how did you end up here from aledo texas Yep, so I'm from a small town. It's actually called Alito. You, you Alito. got pretty close, closer All than right. most do. Uh, it's about an hour west of Dallas, just uh, west of Fort Worth. Um, and actually, the way that I got there is a little bit different than most. I I didn't really anticipate playing college football until after my senior year had kind of finished up, uh, my season that is. And so I was reaching out to schools left and right, just hoping somebody would take a chance and wasn't getting any bites, and I had actually committed to walk on to uh, Tulsa in Oklahoma and was kind of getting set up there. And then all of a sudden, our running back, he uh, played at Southern Miss, Jason Davis. He was the same year as I. Uh, Coach Wozniak came to visit him, and he talked to Coach Woz and was like, hey, man, you need to check out our kicker. He's trying to trying to find a place. If y'all have got room for him, he'd, he'd probably be willing to walk on or whatnot. And so Coach Woz ended up reaching out, pulled up my film, and had a couple conversations, and then they ended up bringing me in on a visit. Uh, I think it was in June, and so all the guys were already there for summer, training and everything, and they offered me uh, a gray shirt, so I technically wasn't part of that scholarship class, but the, the next class was what I was a part of, and that's really, really it all started with, thanks to Jason uh, reaching out to, to Coach Wozniak. Well, let me say, Parker, we're glad that happened. We're glad you came here. You were a fantastic addition to our football program, and uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for being on the show, man. Thanks a lot for your time. Oh, I appreciate it, and I'm, I'm grateful for some this as well. So thanks for having me. All right. Parker Shawnfield, everybody. One of the great kickers of Southern Miss history. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Back in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg, Luke Johnson, Bob Getty. It's the Eagle Hour. Appreciate you joining us today. Great talking to Parker Seanfield, the most accurate Golden Eagle 
football kicker of all time. Great talking to him and wish him all the best. Now that the Goldilocks are gone. Yeah, Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. 8.95 lunch every single day includes a drink, and uh, we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander now joining us on the phone, and uh, Kelly, uh Upcoming opponent for Southern Miss not able to play their game this weekend due to COVID-19. Now, and you, you thought that there was a chance that last weekend's game with Louisiana Tech was going to get canceled because of a COVID outbreak at uh, La Tech. Now, the North Texas Mean Green have officially canceled their game this weekend with the Houston Kickers uh, <laughs> because, because of a COVID outbreak. And if enough of the Mean Green have to be sequestered for a two-week period, that w- would mean the following Saturday game with Southern Miss in Denton, in Denton, Texas, might now also be jeopardized because of a COVID outbreak. So stay tuned. We'll keep you posted on that. Obviously, the Louisiana Tech game was played. So North Texas is hoping that enough players would be available to play that game with Southern Miss a week from Saturday. But this coming Saturday, North Texas will not play. Houston, because of a COVID outbreak, whether they play the Eagles or not remains to be seen. That would be the next game on the schedule. Elsewhere in Conference USA, Ryan Tax has signed on to be the corporate sponsor for the Conference USA championship game. Uh, This is the second year in a row that Ryan Tax has sponsored that event. So Ryan Tax back on board. And by the way, Ryan Tax, it's kind of a unique situation. They'll also sharpen your lawnmower blades. Wow. I need that. I mean, what a are you, deal. Are you like a, a ambassador, a brand ambassador for them? Because you said that company like eight times in like two I, sentences. I noticed that, yeah. Well, they that's what they pay for, right? You guys, oh, is, I see. Is, is for exposure, especially on the highly rated, highly touted, and quite successful Eagle Hour. Mm. So they're certainly getting their money's worth. And one of our favorite people, Nick Mullins, has officially been named the starter for the San Francisco 49ers this weekend. Mullins came in for Jimmy Garoppolo last weekend when Garoppolo uh, had some some knee issues. Uh, Nothing torn or anything like that with Garoppolo, but still very tender on that knee. So Nick Mullins will get the start this weekend for the 49ers. So that's the latest from Conference USA and some Southern Miss headlines from around the country. You guys will have to watch that uh, potential Southern Miss North Texas potential cancellation. Um, as things develop. Hopefully they'll be able to get that game in. Well, Kelly, we know, as we know now, we don't do well against uh, teams depleted by COVID-19, so that's kind of an ominous development. Man, I just I just go back to that game last weekend. I know, it's, what a heartbreaker. You know, like I said, I'd yeah. rather lose 60 to nothing than lose on the last play. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but again, there were some encouraging things to... to and look, North Texas, North Texas, you know, I thought that and it's just been such a wacky year anyway. I thought they'd be a little bit better. Uh, and it's, it's still early yet by all standards. Um, and watch as soon as I say that, they'll come out if the game is played and beat, beat the Eagles by 28 points. But um, right now, I think, I think North Texas, that game is attainable. You know, if we, can, if we can play that game in Denton and win that one, that would be a, a big plus. Because the odds, odds are Tulane's you know, coming in your favor this weekend. But the conference games are always more important anyway, just because of the significance of potentially playing in the Ryan Tax Conference USA Championship game. And who's sponsoring that, Kelly? Uh, that would be Ryan Tax. Okay. I, uh, I didn't know if we had gotten that. Uh, had I was gotten still that trying to wrong. figure out who 
because of your first statement, who uh, North Texas, who the game was canceled against this weekend. I didn't catch that opponent, Kelly. Who, who was that, Kelly? Uh, that was the uh, Houston Cougars. <laughs> you guys are shameless. You know, that. <laughs> y'all cause me so much problems. I'm telling you. Know, but, you but, you know, you guys know as well as I do, every Southern Miss fan does a John Cox impression. Right. Everybody does. <laughs> well, he's been here now, forever. Some yeah. of them are better than others. John's been around but, a long time. But but you can't find somebody that that won't at least attempt a John Cox impression. Right. Uh, let me throw this question out to both of you guys. Uh, we've had Keon Howard on the show a couple of times. He's a fantastic, fantastic kid. How much how much pressure will this kid be under? I'll start with you, Luke. This has got to be tough for him to come back and play on the field that he played on uh, with with guys that he that he broke into college football with. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point that we were talking to Andrew about earlier um, from Tulane. You know, if you look at this is the 2020 season, this is Keon's a redshirt senior. So everybody that came into that uh, initial signing class of 2016 uh, at Southern Miss that's still around, and not everybody's still around, obviously, but, you know, some of those guys, they came in with Keon. I, I think in a game like that, the, the pressure will, will either be high or low based off what he puts on himself. Uh, I do think there will be some added pressure on him just because of how the game ended. He threw a big uh, interception at the end of the ball or towards the end of the ball game um, that that you know let Navy come back and, and win it. It was actually on the goal line. So uh, I think there there will be an added pressure. I don't necessarily know if it's coming from the Southern Miss side though, and, and more from the Tulane side. What do you say, no, Kelly? And th- yeah, and I think Bob. I think I don't think there will be a whole lot of pressure. Usually, when you talk to these athletes, they really want to rub it in the face of teams that didn't recruit them. You know what I mean? To prove to that team that didn't recruit them that they made a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. But Southern Miss did obviously recruit, you know, Keon. So it's not a, it's not saying I'll, I'll show Southern Miss where they didn't recruit me. I'll show them that they made a mistake. Well, they did recruit him. Right. So I don't, I just don't, I don't think that there'll be as much pressure as you might think there. In fact, I think there's probably some some really good blood between Keon and, and, and some of the Eagles. And Keon's, of not, Keon's are, not one of those dudes. Keon wouldn't, wouldn't be one of those guys that would say, well, I didn't get the playing time I wanted. I'm putting up a dart board with an eagle on it, and I'm throwing darts at it. Like, that's right. not the type of duty he is anyway. But um, one thing that Andrew did say about us is that this the locker room uh, you know, believes in Keon. They're behind Keon, and, and that kind of makes sense with what, what he said. That's probably why he continues to be the starter going into this game. All right, Kelly, next question. How much pressure is on the new interim head coach of the Golden Eagles this week after losing his opener? I, I don't think I, – I, I think, again, there was there were enough. If you make the bullet points of pros and cons, I think there were plenty of pros. Uh, and, I mean, the guy – the circumstances under which he got the job was certainly not ideal. Uh-oh. Louie the Wonder Dog is at it again out here. Um, but the, the situation – the circumstances under which he got the job again were not ideal, and there were there were some pluses, you know. So you give him another give him another week to to try to get this this crew together, and because you think if, if they can just get one, you know, they always say that toughest one, the toughest one to get is the first one because then it builds confidence, and confidence builds competence, and we've talked about that concept on this show before. So I, I don't think uh, you know I think I think everybody is is on board with on the the. Walton train up to this point, for you can, sure. You concur, Luke? Yeah, you know, here's the thing with Scotty. 
He's got nothing to lose. He's 30 years old. He's not supposed to have be a, a head coach in FBS. And and here's the thing, you know, a, a lot of people, I, I'm one of those, I want to see him succeed because I think he would be a great permanent head coach. But, the, you know, the, the common wisdom, not inside Southern Miss, but across the, the land is, yeah, it's, he's just holding it down until you can go get an American coordinator or Power 5 coordinator. This guy ain't got nothing to lose. So let it fire away. Just, like, live live free. And I think that's probably the approach he's going to take. And that's probably why you saw him be aggressive on first down and go for or on fourth down and go for two because the dude has absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. You know, I hate to bring this up, but I, I've kind of had this a little bit in the back of my mind. Uh, reassure me, guys, we're not going to go through an Ellis Johnson year again, are we? No, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. And I, I think you can already say no because the players out there on the field Saturday were playing with spirit. They were playing, you know, with a with a tenacity that you just didn't seem to you just didn't seem to see at all ever during an Ellis Johnson tenure. So, you know, as a fan, all I ever want my teams to do is compete, um, and that's coming from a Bengal and Tigers fan, and, and they don't compete. But these Eagles, you know, are competing, and that's all I can ever expect. That they play hard and they compete, and I think clearly Saturday they did that. Be a big win for him if they could knock off Tulane, right, Luke? It would. I mean, it would just be a win. But yeah, it would be a big win. It. it I mean, they're going to have to do a whole lot better on defense, and they're going to have Willie Fritz can run the football. What did Louisiana Tech do on us? You know, the 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 biggest concern this week for Southern Miss, as rough as the secondary has been is the defensive line. Because if you put if you continue to only put three down linemen against two lanes rushing attack, they're going to blow you off the ball. You're going to creep up and they're going to play action over your head. So that's the biggest test for me this week is it can the defensive line do anything because if they can't, it's going to be another long Saturday. Well, they've got to go ahead, Kelly. The offensive line was better last week, Saturday, don't you think, Liz? I mean, by the fact that, that yeah. Jack Abraham could stretch the field out a little bit. He had some time, obviously, which you need and able to be able to throw it down the field. And after really uh, uninspired uh, first-week performance by the offensive line in particular, it as a unit I thought was much better. Well, we're going to see a running back uh, Saturday by the name of Ty J. Spears. I was reading about this kid before we came on the air. Tulane people say he could be, in the future, the best player to ever play for the Green Wave. So uh, he'll be in the backfield. Big test for the Golden Eagles defensive front coming up Saturday. But, hey, hey guys, aren't you just happy we have games to talk about? I know I am. Amen. We'll be back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings you the fourth segment every day of the Eagle Hour. Located online, toyotahattiesburg.com, and in person on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg. Toyota of Hattiesburg, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly John Center continues on the phone. Guys, breaking news on the high school front and affects me uh, personally just because I was uh, I was in So-So Friday night. Big win for Wes Jones over Pedal. 
West Jones football team today being announced on social media now under quarantine. Going to miss the next two games. That will be region play against Brookhaven and South Jones. So uh, Northeast Jones here in Jones County was affected before the season started. West Jones now affected in the season. And Kelly, you know, we were, were we had mentioned in passing, uh, West Jones lost a game and Taylorsville was going to come in. That's a two lane commit. Um, keys at quarterback and, and, uh, that was a big game, kind of relive some stuff that had happened in the past. A game like that, you may have to scrap it and play a region game, but West Jones under quarantine today, Kelly. Yeah, and it looks like, uh, you know, Northeast Jones had come off of a, a quarantine to play kind of a jamboree game against South Jones, and I think, I think South Jones is on the schedule somewhere in there with West Jones. So where South Jones is, is getting to quote unquote play, but maybe not under the, you know, type of situation that they'd like to. But, um, yeah, another another COVID uh, victim. You know, West Jones, people, they go, that's such an interesting name because West Jones is in so-so. And uh, people go, I wonder how it got its name. Um, you know, if people in years past said, is it beautiful? Is it beautiful there? And somebody said, eh, yeah, so-so. So-so. Um, but at any rate, no, it, it actually is. Hello? Is this microphone on? Hello? Yes, yeah, uh, you're there, Kelly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, news from the MACCC, the Mississippi Association of Community College Conference. They've announced now that basketball season, looking ahead to basketball, talk about COVID. The MACCC is not going to play basketball until the second week in January. That's when they have decided to actually tip it off. Teams will be able to practice pretty much along the same lines that they've always been able to practice. But now no games until the second week of January. The NCAA hasn't come out and said directly what date specifically NCAA teams are going to be able to get going. It's looking somewhere around Thanksgiving, which would normally be about a month later than they would normally begin practice. But right now, the junior colleges who, and I have to say, you guys, when it comes to the football thing, it looks like the junior colleges in Mississippi got this right from the get-go. I mean, they way back when, they said, we're not going to play until October and we're only going to play our division games and be done. So they they took the first wait-and-see approach, never canceled the season, never, never even thought about it. Um, so it looks like they got the football thing right. They want to make sure they're doing the right thing in basketball. So the MACCC will not even start play until the second week in January mm. next year. Now, Luke, you do the uh, Jones games uh, for Super Talk, actually. Um, that starts, what, next week? Yeah, next Thursday night we will be in Ellisville. East Central comes um, for the Jones College. And, yeah, six-game schedule, uh, p- playing basically all the, the teams in the south, and I think you'll have a one-game um, playoff you know, for a state championship. So, yeah, that begins next Thursday night on uh, Super Talk Laurel, and we will begin at 7 p.m. So excited about that. A couple, couple other things, uh, talking about some television stuff. The, the game this weekend is on Stadium. Um, I have a Samsung Smart TV, and anybody out there that has a Samsung Smart TV, they actually have something called TV Plus. Stadium is on that. Um, I'm not sure about other brands, uh, but you can probably get a stream of stadiums. Um, and so that's this game, and I believe um, next week's game is going to be on Stadium. Also, to our friends who may be in Central Mississippi, Athletic Director Jeremy McLean speaking tomorrow for the Central Mississippi Eagle Club Luncheon. That's from 1130 to 1 at the Hilton Hotel on County Line Road in Jackson. So uh, a buffet lunch there. You pay for your lunch, and Mr. McLean will be there tomorrow. 
Luke, do you get the stadium through Facebook, too? Am I correct about that, or am I wrong about that? They, it used to be that way. I can't, I don't, I'm not sure about this year. I'm, I'll research that today and, and find out. But, yeah, you used well, to be able to stream that, but it, it seems like now it's, it's uh, on an actual station. And I know the Eagle Hour goes all the way across the state of Mississippi, but if you're in the Hattiesburg area and you don't have stadium, our buddies at 4th Street, Bar and Grill, are going to have it. Right. You know, they, they have all the Southern Miss games and, um, you know, hang out with uh, other uh, fans of the feather, so to speak. And other black fans of fans. the feather. How about that? Yeah. Hmm. We'll be there uh, together cheering on the Eagles. So Eagle. creative. That's an idea. Uh, we should point out, too, that uh, Luke is going to be at the uh, 4th Street Friday. Is that not right, Luke? You're going to do part of the show there. I'm going to be eating that lunch, and y'all ain't. I'm just going to throw yeah, that at you right now. Yeah, how about that? Uh, so we'll look forward to a reuniting with our wonderful friends uh, down at 4th Street Bar and Grill. A great, great guy, Slade and all those guys. So happy, uh, happy to be doing that. And uh, Luke's going to go on the road some for us here. Uh, beginning next week, uh, we've got some stuff set up at Ramey's, etc. Luke is our young warrior, Kelly. So he, he goes out in the face of COVID uh, to represent the Eagle Hour. And you and I are grateful for that, aren't we? Yeah, we are, because he's he's young and in shape. And if, God forbid, he gets the virus, he would be able to better handle it than us two old codgers. So, <laughs> codgers. Have we we're used that word low. before, codgers? I don't know that we've used that. That's what we, you get we, when we, you get rickets. Yeah, we have heard wazoo and codgers on the show today. It's uh, been quite an interesting edition of the Eagle Hour. Hopefully tomorrow's will be as well, and that starts at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the to top. The top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.